1: And welcome once again, Disability Law Show. Uh, Savannah Tamarkin here, Albert Klein, John Scholes, the, uh, the three amigos ready to give you the information you need. If you want to reach out anytime, by the way, you're dealing with an insurance company, disability law. Don't hesitate, get some answers, have a conversation at least, get it started, 1-855-821-5900, the number anytime, website, disabilityrights.ca, and we'll get to some of your emails throughout the show, throughout this hour, so uh, rest assured that is on the way, help at disabilityrights.ca. By the way, you want to ask questions any other time, there's a website, if you haven't used it yet, mydisabilityquestions.com, you can search for the uh, question, maybe uh, yours has been asked at a previous time and answered, if not, you can lay it down there and the guys will get to it in short order. Again, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Coming up today, three reasons you should call them before you appeal a long-term disability denial. This is a huge piece of information, so stick around for that. But first, uh, Savan, Albert, guys, you're ready to go. You have a week that was to, uh, to get us warmed up. Savan, what do you got, pal?
2: Hey, Johnny, it's uh, great to be here with everyone. Love it. Uh, So, you know, we've been talking about long-term disability, especially now in the context of COVID that's still Mm -hmm. going on uh, and raging globally. Uh, Well, you know what? You mentioned MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Here's a question in multiple parts that came to us just this week, just a few days ago, uh, from Kathleen in uh, Mississauga. And uh, here's what she writes. I have stage 4 cancer and ongoing IV treatment once every three weeks. Uh, it's stage four, but current treatment could mean uh, five or more year uh, or longer survival. Although I do not currently have uh, real physical limitations, my doctor has advised that I not return to work at this time. He tells me that we can reassess in the spring of 2021. I'm just submitting my LTD forms, as my short-term disability and EI sick benefits run out in September. Now she has several questions, John. First one, she says, is it better to just say... Uh, that you're not expecting to return to work and go back, if I can, or to say that there is going to be a reassessment in April of 2021. So let's deal with that question first. Uh, my view is that uh, you tell the insurance company exactly what your what your doctor said, which is that if your doctor says you are not ready to go back to work, or you know it's against medical advice for you to go back to work at this point because of your illness or injury. Mm-hmm uh... then you, you say that and if the doctor saying we're going to reassess in april twenty twenty one which is completely reasonable in the circumstances right there's no commitment while one way or the other uh... then she should say that to her long-term disability insurer. nothing wrong with that uh... so truth is paramount here and we talked about this in the last show as well with albert second question is ltd for stage four cancer usually approved or do you still have to prove some physical limitations Well. You know the answer is uh, a bit more nuanced than that. First of all I can tell you I'm very familiar with stage four cancer not personally but through a family member who had passed away uh, you know that usually means that you have a spread of the cancer uh, and you know you usually have some kind of limitations M- maybe it's from the treatments from chemo or radiation you know chances are nobody goes, n- no one's going to expect you to be able to work uh, if, yeah. if, if you have those kinds of treatments and, and that kind of an illness which is very very severe. The issue of of physical limitation, no, you don't have to prove physical limitations. And and I say that because we have many claimants uh, who are approved for LTD or who we fight for against the insurance company and get the insurance company to pay them LTD who don't necessarily have physical limitations, but they have psychological limitations, right? For example, depression is an example. You know, I'm I'm in bed all day. I, I have anxiety. I have PTSD. I have phobias things like that these are not necessarily physical limitations i mean there's a manifestation in the physicality right because you can't get out of bed or you're afraid to go outside etc but it's not physical limitations per se it's not like you can't lift something or you can't move your hands to type on a keyboard right so you know it's not about do you have stage four stage three cancer the test for getting long-term disability is this can you do the essential tasks of your own occupation within the first two years of being on LTD that's usually the test and beyond two years in the vast majority of policies the question is can you do any uh, occupation for which you are suited for by training education or experience so again physical or psychological or combination of both as long as you can show and your doctors confirm that you cannot do the essential tasks of your occupation or any occupation beyond the two-year mark you should be approved for LTD and if you're not, you should be calling us immediately so we can help you get the insurance company to pay you uh, what you're owed. Um, moving forward, she says, I've been in the same job for 23, year, uh, 23 years, but LTD, the LTD form is asking for all previous employers. Do I need to give them exact dates going back to 1983, or is uh, the year okay from 1983 to 1997? Uh, and, and the answer is, be as precise as you can be. Uh, you know, it's just part of the form that they ask you. And usually they use that around the two-year mark when they're trying to assess if you can do some other occupation. That's usually when they try and figure out what other skill set you have if you cannot Mm -hmm. go back to your own occupation. And I know we're running out of time for the first segment, John, so I'll just jump to the fourth uh, question, and that's the last question she has. If I get denied LTD, can I get a lawyer or because if I'm a part of a union, uh, I have to go through the union? And then she says, I've heard that LTD gets denied 60% of the time. Well, I don't have the statistics. Unfortunately, the insurance industry is not giving us statistics, despite the fact that I've asked them multiple times. But I can tell you this, uh, in the vast majority of cases, you can have a lawyer help you with your long-term disability claim and not your union. You don't have to go through your union. We have to look at your collective agreement in order to figure out if we can help you. But in many, many cases, and Albert can speak to this as well, we can help you if you are a unionized employee who's been denied or cut off LTD. In fact, I'll tell you more on this. You want us to be involved. You don't want your union to be involved because that's not their wheelhouse. Your union and and the union lawyers don't understand LTD. That's not what they do. They deal with your employer directly. They deal with employment issues. Sometimes they try and dabble in LTD, and generally we find when they do, they screw things up. Again, (laughs) not in every case, but that's what we usually find because it's not what they do. It's what we do. So if you're a unionized employee, or if you know someone who's unionized or not unionized, and that person has been denied or cut off long-term disability, please put them in touch with us. We will give them the answers that they need, and we can explain the legal options to them free of charge.
1: Let's take a short break, guys. We'll get right back to it, Albert. I know you're standing by. You've got something to uh, to share as well. The, uh, the the number in the meantime, toll free, of course, one 855 Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And again, go to mydisabilityquestions.com. Anytime you'd like, search through some questions, leave your question there, and the guys uh, guys will get to it. Just getting warmed up here. Lots more on the way. Don't go anywhere. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome back, Disability Law Show here on Global News Radio. Savannah Markin and Albert Klein, ready to take uh, some questions, some emails. We'll get to those through the email, and that is help at disabilityrights.ca as well. Very shortly, three reasons you should call before you appeal a long-term denial of disability, and it's uh, or disability denial. That is key information. So that's coming up uh, very shortly. Albert, you've uh, you've got the floor, pal. What do you got for us today?
3: yeah thanks, John. Just quickly. Uh, and so I had a couple files that are in the process of settling. We should be able to get the funds within a week or so. Uh, and only a, uh, only a couple weeks after we initially uh, initiated the claim, um, which was about two weeks ago, uh, two lawyers actually reached out to me on both of these files that I knew uh, relatively well uh, because I deal with them on a. Uh, I've dealt with them on a number of different files and in both of these instances the lawyers reached out and said can we can we talk settlement uh, this is a case that I think shouldn't have been denied in the first place and it's only two weeks after me actually initiating the claim uh, so uh, and, I, and I, I think really in these instances uh, it's nice when your reputation is actually able to speak for you I've dealt with these lawyers before I know I know and they know that none of us are going to be unreasonable. And as soon as they got onto the phone and called me, we were able to reach a resolution kind of in theory. So we should be able to get the funds in the next couple of weeks. It's nice to get an early win for my clients. They don't have to go through every step of the litigation process. And Savannah was mentioning that you don't really want to go with a union because usually a union doesn't actually know how to handle your claim. And similarly, so if you are going to hire a lawyer, you need to know someone who actually does and handles LTD claims on a regular basis because they may have relationships with these insurance company lawyers that are going to work to your advantage. So really just uh, important to think about
2: so, when sorry, you're no,
3: I... who, who to hire. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: That's okay. I, I just want to jump in for a second and ask you a question about those two cases. So, what you're saying is, those two clients uh, who were denied long term disability uh, came to you, and within a couple of weeks of starting the legal process, you have the defense lawyers from those insurance companies who said no reach out to you to discuss resolution of the claims. That's what you're saying.
3: Not, not only discuss resolution, we actually reached a resolution. Now you we're just reaching for the funds.
2: Yeah. Now, now now, just, just to dig in a bit more, and I don't want to compromise the confidentiality of those claims, but generally speaking, before they came to you, uh, had any of them uh, or either of those claimants tried to appeal the decision, or when were they cut off? Like months ago, weeks ago, years ago? Can you give us some more details on that?
3: So uh, so in, in in the first claim, uh, they, they had cut off my client because... Uh, She had reached the two-year mark, of course, which means that they were, the insurance company was taking the position that she was capable of doing some other type of job. Uh, And so she appealed, she waited about five or six months going through the appeal process, getting a number of other documents, uh, and then she called me, she asked, should I appeal one more time? Of course, we all know the answer here, the answer was no. Um, And then within weeks of us uh, initiating a legal claim, uh, this lawyer from the other side actually called me and said, why don't we just speak resolution? And as I said, I have a great relationship with his lawyer. Um, uh, Incidentally, he was uh, quite reasonable in the circumstances, and we were able to reach a resolution that kind of worked for both sides. And then in this other case, uh, in this other case, my uh, client had not appealed at all. Uh, which was good uh, and a relatively quick uh, uh, resolution she had been cut off um, i think about three uh, three three months prior and then came to us Uh, so there wasn't that much time uh, where she was actually waiting without money um, because she should be getting her money in the next week or two so this is great
2: this is this is fantastic john this is what we're talking about right you're talking about individuals who are cut off or denied long-term disability and, you know, again, as we do these shows and we've done them uh, week after week, year after year, along with all the praise that that we get from listeners out there, even people we haven't helped, people who are just listening because it's informative and we've helped people they know, uh, we also get, I get, at least personally, uh, I, I wouldn't call it hate mail, but, I, 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 you know, a lot of criticism from people in the insurance industry. And a lot of them are just, you know, sort of towing the party line insurance companies are being defrauded, and insurance companies uh, you know, have to make sure that they, they pay out only legitimate claims, and you know, yada, yada, yada. I don't take issue with that. Of course they should be paying totally. only legitimate claims. Here's the problem, though. They are quite often not paying legitimate claims. If there was a way to stop all fraud, and by the way, we do our part, I mean, we, we, when we identify a client that is not exactly kosher, right, that, that there is a problem there, we tell the person, we cannot help you, and, and in fact, we go you know, above that. We actually tell individuals like that, that they have to be uh, very careful in what they do because insurance companies take fraud very seriously, and frankly, it, it, you know, it, it, it creates a situation where other people are suffering because other people are, are, are doing fraud, but you know, let's not forget what insurance companies are doing. They are in the business of making money. They make billions of dollars in profits and revenues on a yearly basis. You can just Google that. Each insurance company that comes to mind Google their revenues. It's they're, they're posted usually, right? So, you know, John, in, in totality here, I can tell you that it's only because of Albert's involvement that he was able to resolve these, uh, these two claims. And when he says that he has a good relationship with these defense lawyers, it doesn't mean that he compromises in any way the client's claims. What he means by that is that because we have built up a reputation as a firm, a law firm, in Ontario and British Columbia of handling... Uh, legitimate long-term disability claims, our reputation precedes us. And so insurance companies and their lawyers, when they're dealing with us, they know that we mean business, number one, and they're not number two, they know that we speak on behalf of legitimate claimants. Right. So they come to the table ready and willing to resolve and settle claims, and that's what happens, and that's the benefit that we give everyone out there who reaches out to us to get information and to retain us to help them.
1: Guys, let's take a quick break, and we'll get right back into it uh, again uh, just ahead after we come back for the break. Three reasons you should call us before you appeal a long-term disability denial. That is key information. Like I said, we talk about denials every week, but uh, we need to keep hammering it home. In the meantime, reaching out to Albert Savan, member of the team, one eight five five eight. 21 That would be the phone number, of course. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca or the website where you can listen to past shows and catch our TV show as well, disabilityrights.ca. That would be the place to go. We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening
0: to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser.
1: And we're back at it. Disability Law Show. Thanks for hanging around. John Scholes along with Savan Tamarkin and Albert Klein. And we're going to tackle this one, guys, because I know you've been dying to get at it. And this is a key piece of information. We get uh, phone calls and emails about it all the time. The denial process. Well, three reasons you should call Savan or Albert, a member of the team, before you get into that disability denial game. Number one is this. Uh, I guess, Savan, you'll take number one if you want. Uh, They will explain to you what an appeal actually is. And no, it is not not what you think. Explain that.
2: Yeah, let's, let us let, let me start with this, and Albert's going to take the next one. Uh, look, many people out there think that uh, when they're invited to appeal, and I say invited because every denial letter generally has a paragraph or two at the bottom that say, you know, you can appeal this decision within 30 days. Usually they say 30 days. You have to understand, when you're appealing this, it's not like appealing this to a judge. You're not appealing it to a third party, a neutral person. You're not. You're appealing it to the exact same people who told you no in the first place. Now, it may be Joe and not Jane at the insurance company, but trust me, their cubicles are probably next to each other. And they talk. So you are appealing it to the exact same people. And, you know, I know I keep hammering this, uh, but I have yet to receive from any insurance company, despite multiple requests, any statistics on how frequently these these appeals actually work. And in fact, I had reached out to an organization recently uh, that had uh, that apparently uh, um, gets statistics from the various insurers on various matters across the province, and uh, they even told me they don't have any statistics for the success of appeals or the failure uh-huh. of appeals. So an appeal is not an objective process. It's just not. And again, insurance companies may be upset with me for saying this. Uh, you know what an objective process is, or at least a more objective? A legal claim. If an If an insurance company believes that at the end of the day, the decision on whether you are entitled to long-term disability may rest not with one of their workers, but with a judge, they will treat your claim differently. And that's the power of the legal process. Now, a lot of people are very intimidated by the legal process. You should not be intimidated. It's not what you see on TV all right? It's not like we start a claim today and tomorrow we're in front of a judge. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> in fact, most of these cases almost never reach a judge. They just don't. You know why? Because insurance companies don't want to take the risk that they'll get hammered. Mm-hmm. So again, an appeal is not an objective process. An appeal is an internal process, and this internal process is governed by the rules of the insurance company. So in effect by appealing you are within their grasp you're playing within their sandbox so to speak they can have you running around or running on a on a wheel like a hamster and that's in fact what most people who come to us after trying to do one or two or three appeals tell us that they feel like they feel like they were hamsters on a wheel and you know again going to albert's case that he mentioned that he had uh... recently resolved after starting a claim within two weeks uh, In that case, Albert, you said that one of your clients actually went through an appeal already and it was unsuccessful. So again, it's you have to understand, when we say that these appeals are useless, we're not saying this because it's good for us to say it. It's because that's just a fact based on our own experience. If you don't believe us, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. And some people do choose to do it, and we're going to talk about that a bit later. But let's move on to to, uh, point number two, John.
3: I was just going to step in here. uh, And... Really really what they want you to do, kind of to Savan's point, is they want to keep it in their hands. They don't want you to control the process. And then B, one other big point that they want here is it delays you from getting payment. And so I'll put it to you in really simple financial terms here. The insurance company is obviously motivated to not pay you benefits because the less money that they pay out, the more money as a company they take in. And they're also financially motivated to pay you slower. Because if it takes even five months or longer to pay you and thousands of other people off, they now get to make interest on that money. Do they ever pay that money to you if they then approve your claim? No, of course not. They are financially incentivized to deny you and to slow down the process and slow you from getting payment. It's as simple as that.
1: The number, by the way, to reach out anytime, 1-855-821-5900 to get a hold of the uh, the guys at the firm or help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get to emails here very shortly. Part number two, or at least uh, point number two, about three reasons to call before uh, going down the long-term disability denial route is, they will explain to you what you should do instead of appeal to get paid what you're owed. So so I'll be, I'll be quick here, uh, Instead of instead of appealing, uh, for all our long-time
3: listeners, you definitely know that you need to be starting a legal claim as soon as possible. It's the only way to get the insurance company to respond and to really take ownership of your own claim. Take it out of their hands. Uh, by starting a legal claim, you control the process. And incidentally, when they do receive a legal claim, uh, that takes the matter out of the current adjuster's hands, and then it goes into the hands of a new adjuster who's uh, specifically specific assignment or specific role, sorry, is to look at your claim from a legal lens and look at what a judge might do. And that usually brings the claim to a resolution much, much quicker than uh, you could ever have by going through the regular adjudication process. So any thoughts here?
2: No, I I absolutely agree with you on this. I mean, there's no question in my mind, and we've seen this time and time again, and it's not just us, it's any lawyer that deals with what we deal with um, in, in other firms they will tell you probably the same thing which is that the legal process is much more powerful whenever we've seen someone who has been represented by a lawyer who tells them to appeal one of those decisions generally when we do our research we find out that the lawyer who's who's advised the individual of this uh, doesn't practice in this area of law or or it's not a predominant area of practice for that right. lawyer so again it goes back to the original point Albert made which is you gotta make sure you get a lawyer in a law firm that has a certain focus know-how expertise specialty in the area of long-term disability law. And if you don't, you're potentially compromising your claim and you're potentially going to end up with a lot less money in your pocket than you deserve.
1: Guys, we'll take a short break, get to reason number three of the three, why you should call them before you appeal a long-term disability denial. And uh, this one, we're kind of going down a different route. But if you insist, we'll get to it here in just a minute. In the meantime, it's one 821 5900 That's always the number. Email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for any other questions you want to ask, uh, if not over the phone, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com as well. Disability Law Show. This is Global News Radio. And back, Disability Law Show, reaching out, simple, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. The website is disabilityrights.ca. Email address, which we're going to get to in a few minutes, the first one for today's show, that would be help at disabilityrights.ca. Three reasons, the third of three reasons, in fact, why you should call the firm. Call Savannah or Albert before you appeal a long-term disability denial. And this is this one, uh, I, I know this one's probably a little bit tedious to do when people get the phone call, uh, Savan, but we'll, we got to explain it, and that is that you will explain uh, what you should do if you
2: insist, if you insist on going down the appeal route, what do you do? So, you're right. I mean, some people do insist and do want to know, okay, they say to us, we've heard you, we understand you're saying don't go the appeal route, but we want to try it. Okay, that's your decision. We respect that. Despite our advice, that's what you want to do, no problem. Here's what I'll tell you to do. There's a few things. Number one, you make sure that you get updated reports or letters from whoever is treating you that confirms that you cannot do either your own occupation or any occupation for which you're suited for it. Again, depending on where you are in the LTD process. Many people who choose to go the appeal route have been denied at the beginning, at the outset. So really, what you need your doctors or whoever's treating you to say is... Yeah, This person has been under my care for X amount of time. This is my diagnosis. These are my treatments. This individual has been uh, complying with the treatments. And in my opinion, this is what they're supposed to say, in my opinion, this person is unable uh, to to perform the, the tasks, the essential tasks of their own occupation or something like that. And then they have to explain why. So the one thing you do not want to do, and many people get denied on that basis, is you don't want to give the insurance company literally a one-liner from your insurance company from your doctor saying this person cannot work right it's like a doctor's note for for work right this person should be off work for X amount of time without explanation it has to be more substantive so and and frankly we're gonna do that anyways when we go through the legal process but this is what you want to do that's the first thing you want to do the second thing you know the second thing that I would suggest that you do is is this Depending on the kind of job that you have, you may want to get, in fact, you probably should get, a job description from your employer. And, you know, that goes hand in hand with whatever letters you get from your doctors. Because if you have, for example, a very physically heavy job, physically demanding job, where you have to lift boxes all day, as an example, and your doctor is saying that you're suffering from chronic pain, sciatica, things like that, and you cannot lift f- for your job... Then again, the job description goes hand in hand with the letter from your doctor. It makes your appeal or legal claim, if we initiate that down the road, more robust. Uh, The other thing is this: generally, the insurance company says you got 30 days to appeal. Uh, We typically so so that's first of all uh, that's not legislated. That's just the insurance company telling you that. We've had people, numerous people, say that they've appealed after 40 days, 50 days, 60 days. The end result was the same. The insurance company still assessed the appeal, except that they, you know, what did what they often do, which is denied the appeal. So so I wouldn't worry so much about those 30 days, but again, it's up to you if you want to comply with those or not. Uh legally, legally, you have two years from the time you were first denied or 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 cut off your LTD to start a legal claim. That's really the deadline you have to be aware of. That two-year mark. And when the clock starts ticking, which is the date you were first denied or cut off LTD. So that's what I would typically say. Uh, Albert, I, I know that you've you've dealt with people who have insisted on appealing and wanted advice. Uh, y- you can chime in. I would just say, if you want to go that route and you want to talk to us, we'll still be happy to speak with you. Again, no charge. We have no issue with that. We want to make sure, John, that people have the information they need. And if you don't listen to our advice not to appeal and you insist on appealing, well, at least let us help you you know, get something going with that process, maybe maximizing your chance for potentially getting a positive result, you know, at, at the end. That's that's our goal here to help people. Albert? Yeah. Albert, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I we speak we speak to people all the time and that's really kind of the crossroads that are at, do I start a legal claim? Many people don't even know they can start a legal claim and the question is, do I appeal or what do I do? And in some sm- very small instances, People will still insist upon appealing, and that's fine. And I've spoken to a number of people. We're always happy to speak to someone for free. Uh, and what I always say, and even in instances where it's not a case that we can really step in for whatever reason, I'll always give my advice or give you, give you something to walk away with and uh, what I would do if I was in your shoes uh, knowing my legal background. But uh, just a quick other point. Uh, there's really no substitute for getting your doctors on your side. You want to get as many different doctors as you can uh, to endorse the fact that you can't work, uh, as Van said, either in your own occupation, depending where you're at, or any occupation um, if you're at that stage of, of, um, of being off on disability. And I, I really look at it as a bit of a power-by-numbers exercise. So the more doctors you can get on board to endorse the fact that you can't work, the stronger your case is going to become. And the tougher it's going to be for these insurance companies to fight and dispute every one of your doctors that has now endorsed the fact that you can't work. Uh, And then secondly, what you you definitely want to be doing, in addition to everything that Savannah said, is you want to make sure you read your denial. Uh, Often they're very boilerplate. They don't really say anything, but sometimes they do. Sometimes they'll say the basis for their denial. They'll uh, They'll actually reference different things in your medical records. Sometimes, uh, as I said, many times it's just boilerplate. But in those instances where they actually have written something, look at, the, look at that denial, look at the basis for why they're actually denying you, speak to your doctors about that, and get your doctors to undermine that. That's going to maximize your chance for success. Uh, that said, don't put too much stock into any of this because uh, as, as, as we f- found out from experience, these appeals really don't work but this is these are the types of things that are really going to help maximize your chance if on on the off chance the insurance company is actually going to listen to an appeal which i rarely 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 see
1: Gents, let's take a break and we're going to bounce over to some emails as promised. You want to send one along, you got a couple minutes here to do so and we'll kick it off with uh, with Lana who just sent one along for you. It is help at disabilityrights.ca That is your email address, the phone number when the show is uh, not on air. Here to reach the guys one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, and the website always to listen to past radio shows and catch uh, episodes of our TV show as well. Have a look. disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue with your emails on the Disability Law and welcome back, Disability Law Show. It is a time where we move over to some uh, some email. Appreciate it if you've just emailed in. If not, you could do so as well, even after the show, the guys that get on the email and they answer them, of course. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. Uh, Lana, as promised, you're up first, says, guys, I love your show. You guys actually helped two friends of mine that I sent to you, and I really appreciate it. I have a question that I was hoping you could answer. One of my very good friends was recently let go from her job, and she went to an employment lawyer, not someone from your firm, and that lawyer uh, lawyer, negotiated a severance package. My friend signed the paperwork, and then when she tried to apply for disability because of her depression, because of COVID, and everything else that is going on, the insurance company said that the paperwork she signed with her employer prevented her from applying for disability. Is that true? Can you help her with this? Brutal.
2: Yeah, oh boy. Okay, oh. Lana, so I, first of all, I would like to speak with your friend directly and see exactly what she signed but this is, you know, John, we just had recently a seminar at our firm that uh, I led with, uh, with another lawyer uh, who practices both employment law and disability law. You remember, our firm uh, specializes really in LTD uh, and, and employment law. So we have lawyers that do both, and we often talk with each other, and we make sure that uh, we're all on the same page. And this gives us a certain advantage, in fact, a unique advantage over many, many other lawyers and firms who don't have that kind of a cross-practice uh, um, you know, structure. And, and the reason is this, an employment lawyer who does not understand long-term disability may very well get their clients to sign a release at the end of the severance negotiations with the employer that potentially would bar the employee from claiming short-term disability benefits, long-term disability benefits, and other kinds of benefits. Now, the lawyer should be very, very careful uh, with with that kind of language. And in fact, we devoted a good chunk of our seminar to this and to educating our employment lawyers on this issue. You know, the reality, Lana, is that we can probably help your client. And I say that because there is case law uh, that uh, supports the proposition that an individual who is negotiating and agreeing to severance with their employer and signs a release that releases the employer from further claims uh, that you know if you hide in their language that bars the person from also claiming disability from a third party like an insurance company that that's not going to hold up that there is an unconscionability here that it's not fair uh, you know for the individual but it's a case by case analysis i would say And so people need to be very careful. The other thing to consider here, which is not in Lana's question, John, but it's important. Remember again, employment lawyers don't necessarily understand the impact of their severance negotiations on a potential long term disability claim. And here's what I mean I talk about this often, but let's just reiterate this. Many, if not most, uh, if not all, uh, insurance policies a deal with long-term disability contain provisions that entitle the insurance company for a credit for any income you get including severance. That means that if lana's friend uh, if, if if Lana's friend uh, gets Ltd or is entitled to Ltd but she also got the severance that this employment lawyer negotiated for her, the Ltd insurer may take the position that they will not pay her Ltd equivalent to the sum that she got as severance. You understand? It means basically that she's losing out on a portion of her LTD that equates to her severance. So if her severance was $50,000, the insurance company may say, we're not going to pay you now $50,000 worth of LTD. So she's no further ahead if you think about it. And the only reason this happened is because the employment lawyer was unaware that her friend either has or will have an LTD claim. That's why it's so crucial when you're dealing with employment law issues, when you're dealing with disability issues, to to come to us because we have that cross-specialty. It's absolutely crucial. So the answer, Lana, is I think we can help your friend. In fact, I'm almost sure of it, but it requires a nuanced analysis. I need to see the exact verbiage of the document she signed. We need to look at her policy, the LTD policy. We need to understand more about her situation. And again, this is all free. We're not gonna charge anything for this. We're gonna do this consultation, give her all the information she needs, then she can understand exactly what her rights are, what her options are. Uh, but please tell her not to just walk away, not to assume that because she signed something, she cannot claim now LTD. That that would be a big mistake if in fact the the answer is that she can. Albert, any... Yeah, t- any, any yeah. uh, uh, and any comments on this? Yeah, I, I
3: guess, uh, I guess, really, really, you just want to make sure that uh, if you do already have an employment claim kind of in the works, you've already hired your own employment lawyer, but you know you may uh, have an LTD claim uh, that may arise, or you have an in, uh, LTD claim that's ongoing. You have to be extra extra careful when you're signing these severance packages, and you may actually want to get an LTD lawyer to review that release that you are signing when you are uh, getting to that point in your employment claim and get them to actually review it to make sure that you're not giving up any rights. Uh, we, we can definitely do that, but you definitely want to get someone who practices LTD uh, law quite a bit so that you make sure that you're not giving up any rights down the road. It's, it's such a shame. It's such a shame when that happens, right? So.
1: All right, guys, we'll move on to another uh, another email here, but we got to take a short pause and get right back into it. Again, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Write that number down, keep it, uh, pass it around. You may need it for a friend or a family member or yourself at some time. 1-855-821-5900 to reach out, no problem. Email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. That's where we're going to go again right after a short break. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. To reach out to Savannah or, or Albert or a member of their very capable team, they're ready to uh, to take care of you, one 821 5900 The website, by the way, disabilityrights.ca. Anytime in the email, throw a help at in front of that, help at disabilityrights.ca to uh, to get in touch with a member of the team. All right, Geneva, next. Says, uh, guys, my father had a severe stroke last year and became uh, became incapacitated. He's 59 years old. We only found out recently that he had a long-term disability policy that he purchased privately and has been paying uh, into for years. The insurer denied the application because they said he applied too late, but that's because he is incapacitated. And my brother and I just found out about his condition. Is there anything that can be done about this?
3: Hey Geneva, uh, so I, I can take this one. Go ahead. So I'm really, really terribly sorry to hear about your father, Geneva. Uh, that uh, stro- strokes are uh, are uh, very, very unfortunate, and hopefully he is uh, on the mend. Um, we'll definitely need a little bit more information here, just in terms of when he applied, uh, how how long he actually had this policy for, uh, other questions. But really, here what I'm what I'm seeing from everything that I see here is that the insurance company is trying to rely on a technicality. Mm -hmm. And I've seen ridiculous instances of this technicality being applied. Uh, Sometimes where someone applies only a few days late, sometimes it's a few months, sometimes it's a year. Uh, But in many of these instances, this late application isn't going to deny, isn't going to mean that you don't have a claim or your father doesn't have a claim. And if in this instance, your father was truly unable to apply this whole time, I can almost guarantee you that you and your father will be fine. Really what this boils down to is whether or not there was a reasonable explanation for your father's late application, which in this instance, it sounds like it was. And, what, and then the other, the other consideration that the courts actually look at is whether the insurance company was prejudiced in their ability to adjudicate the claim. Uh, Obviously, your father has a stroke. He must have gone to the hospital in this instance. So there's going to be a lot of medical documentation to support the fact that A, he was incapacitated, but B, give the insurance company some ability to look back in time and assess what your father was actually experiencing and going through. Obviously, we have limited information here, as I said, but from the sounds of it, your father should still be okay. I would still recommend, though, that you speak to a lawyer immediately uh, because usually in these instances once, once you apply late it's pretty rare that the insurance company is going to take a different position. Usually you need to start a legal claim so then they actually assess this medical information and look at this claim not from the fact that y- you and your father applied late but from the merit of whether or not he actually meets the test for disability.
2: John this is something that we do see a lot of times and you know, not to rehash Albert's points here because I think they're all right. People need to understand that it's not always a black and white uh, answer uh, in terms of whether or not you qualify. And a lot of people simply believe that if the if the insurance company has a technical argument for why they should be disentitled from benefits, why they should not be getting benefits, that the insurance company will succeed at the end of the day. And the answer, the 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 the, the, the uh, truth is is that that's just not the case necessarily and And this is one of those instances uh you know courts understand uh you know that there are some aspects of any contract and a policy of insurance is a contract that are fundamental to the contract uh and, and there are some aspects to the co- to the to the contract that are not as fundamental missing a deadline by a day. Uh, for applying for LTD is not as fundamental as lying uh, about your condition, for example, right, which goes to the heart of whether or not you're eligible for insurance, for LTD insurance. So again, what we say to people is don't assume that if you're denied uh, LTD or cut off LTD, that the insurance company is correct in taking that position. Even if they give you 15 different reasons or excuses for why you should not be getting LTD, don't assume that you are not entitled to LTD. Check with us. We will tell you. We will go through the analysis and tell you if you are entitled or not. It's not going to cost you anything to find out this information. So, so why not do that? And, and you know, John, I've, t- I've spoken to people in the past who have, uh, uh, you know, believed and were told, in fact, by some other lawyers that they've consulted uh, that there's no point trying to get the LTD because, you know, the insurance company was correct. And when I looked uh, and, and really scanned the policy and really did the thorough analysis, I concluded that they are incorrect, that they're wrong and we ended up actually starting a legal process and resolving the, uh, these claims uh, for a lot of money for these individuals. So so again, people need to understand, our listeners need to understand, it's not necessarily black and white when the insurance company says, you're not supposed to get it. Uh, many times the answer is, you are supposed to get it, but you will not unless you reach out to us and we'll tell you, and then you get us involved. That's how we force these insurers to the table. People can't do it themselves, they're not in the business of you know, uh, enforcing these kinds of claims. We are, this is what we do. This is what we know. So again, you have that kind of a question or you know, someone who does tell them to reach out to us.
1: Guys, good show again today. By the way, there's uh, several different ways you can reach out to Savan or Albert and a member of the team. Again, I'll go to MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That's a great resource, by the way. You go there, you can uh, type in your question, leave it. It gets answered rather quickly. There's also a database you can search. Possibly your uh, your question has been asked before and answered in depth. So have a look at that, MyDisabilityQuestions.com. The email address we use every week, you should know it by now, it's help at disabilityrights.ca. Pretty simple, disabilityrights.ca. By the way, the website, go there, past radio shows. We also do a TV show as well, which I think next season we're going to get Albert on because he have not had in on camera yet. So uh, get ready for that, Albert, because it's going to happen. Disabilityrights.ca for uh, for all that and the TV show. And, of course, we, uh, we wrap up with a phone number every week, toll free one eight five We'll catch you again, Disability Law Show on Global News Radio.